You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Oh, happy hump day. The day of the week where you're halfway there. That reveals whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. If you're me, where the inevitable gif of a camel gets sent to you by Tom DeCelestino. Let's go. Let's get into it. Let's hang out. Should tell you a couple things, and I want to. I'm excited to tell you. First... We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Second, we're going to try to fit in at the end of the show mini movie reviews. Just real quick, watch some films. I went to Black Adam and D-Cell watched his first movie in three years as part of this exercise. Really excited. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Bill. Happy hump day to you. Happy Happy hump day. Uh, buy or sell, end of the show. Pretty pretty, pretty pumped. A lot of stuff to get in there. Houston Nutt, our friend, former SEC coach, CBS Sports college football analyst, is going to swing by one hour from now, hang out with us. End of the hour, briefly, but interestingly, we're going to get into last night's Warriors-Suns game. Clay Thompson ejected for the first time in his career. We'll talk about nepotism and arrogance and success and attacking other people who have lesser jobs than you because it makes you feel good about yourself. We're talking about Kirk Ferentz, Iowa. Sorry, sorry, Iowa. Tom's favorite state. Tom also wants to turn that into a restaurant, not review, inspection conversation. A little throwback to three weeks ago. Our bosses love it when I do inside jokes on the show. By love it, I mean don't. Uh, phone number, 855-2124-CBS. Twitter, sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. There's a difference between being a leader and being a star. And we often conflate those things. And at the risk of picking on some 10-year-olds, I'll give you some examples without names and even without sports from my world. It probably reflects your world and the world that that D-Cell will be a part of in about six, seven, eight years when Will, his son, who's one and a half, is my son's age, Henry, who's 10. We live in a community in Los Angeles that has a lot of ridiculous athletes. Went to an open house for high school last night, and the um, principal or assistant principal read off all the accomplishments. You know, the band won the the magnetic trophy. And the number of kids that have been drafted into Major League Baseball, that play in the National Football League, that have gotten Division One scholarships, the primary sports that we talk about here on the show, are massive. And that is because there's a lot of professional athletes and a lot of very wealthy people who dedicate a lot of time and in the professional athletes' case, also a pretty strong genetic pool to sports and their kids being good at sports. And I'm around, D-Cell, a lot of young kids, young kids who are exceptional athletes. And when you're doing youth sports, you're going to be around people and you're going to be able to hear what they say right on the field. Some of those kids who are incredible athletes already at a young age, some of them are nationally ranked. Many of these kids are nationally ranked in their sports, which I find insane, having at 44, not being able to crack any national ranking of any kind in any capacity, sports or otherwise in my life. Some of these kids are great leaders on top of being great athletes, but you see a lot as a parent, they're 10-year-olds, what's well, going to happen? Kids who are amazing players who are not good athletes, or no, excuse me, not good leaders, maybe aren't very nice to the other kids, maybe haven't gotten there yet. And that ability to misinterpret excellence on the field for excellence in the locker room or as a leader, that goes all the way to the professional ranks. Chris Paul's a guy that I pick on a lot because I know that it's true. Chris Paul's an amazing player. But everybody from the crew on TNT to the average beat writer say, because I think they're supposed to, what a leader he is, even though many of those same people will tell you d- differently in, in private. It's just, it's just a fact. 
You can go to most baseball teams, most NFL teams, most NBA teams, most sports teams. Just because you're the best player on a particular team doesn't mean you're its leader. To pick on another guy who's not a bad guy, Zach Granke, before he got older, in certainly Kansas City in his Cy Young days, and even with the Dodgers before he moved on to chase the money, was by far the best athlete. Not just best pitcher on that team, the best athlete. Famous for his golf game, his ping pong game, competing with guys. But, it's a, you know, it's okay. It's fine. Somebody on the show is an odd duck. Bogus. He's an odd duck, and he wasn't a leader. And I thought of all of this as yesterday, Aaron Rodgers, encased in his own belief that he is the smartest person, forget the room, on the face of the earth, went on the Pat McAfee show. And look, I got nothing against Pat McAfee. I, I, I don't. Good for him making a success for himself. But my goodness, can we just ratchet back to sycophancy a little bit? Like, I get it. Like, it's probably pretty cool to have every week Aaron Rodgers on your show. But give me a break. Talk about a safe space for a guy like Aaron Rodgers who doesn't understand half the things he's saying. We're going to play you some of this. And that whole preamble is just to remind you, because you're outstanding at what you do, because you are one of the greatest athletes in the history of your, of your sport, does not guarantee that you're a leader. It just doesn't. Some guys are able to take that level of domination, that excellence. The ability not just, I mean, think about how good you have to be at any sport to just play it professionally at the top level. And then think about the next level to be able to do that consistently for a long time. And then the next level to be pretty good. And then all the way to the top of the pyramid where you're Aaron Rodgers, who is a multi-time MVP, back-to-back reigning MVP. You know that he has a Super Bowl ring. You know that he's one of the most talented guys we've ever seen throw a football. But it has not and does not add up to leadership and excellence. And the question of whether or not the Packers' struggles are in part because Aaron Rodgers can't rally guys away from his own excellence as a football player if he's not doing it with his excellence as a football player. It's now been answered. Guy's a great quarterback. He's not a great leader. How do I know? Because on the Pat McAfee show, Aaron Rodgers decided to again reveal he thinks he's the coach, he thinks he's in charge, and to sell out basically half of his teammates in terms of what's gone wrong this year in Green Bay. We had so many just mental errors and mistakes. It's just it's not the kind of football we're used to playing. You know, guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing, give them a chance. Aaron Rodgers, head coach. So when you get past, and it was magical if you were on Twitter. Don't like Twitter. I'm on there, sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. Hey, Twitter, come hang out with me. If you were around yesterday when this started to circulate, everybody made the same joke. And they were all funny. I must have read... I must have scrolled through 50 versions of Aaron Rodgers calls for himself to be benched for Jordan Love. And it was magical. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers calls for the Jordan Love era. Because if you're going to take Aaron Rodgers' advice, maybe Aaron Rodgers is the guy that you said. He's not exactly played particularly well in this 3-4 and Packers season, which very well may be 3-5 and when they face the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. And while there's still time to turn it around, this doesn't instill confidence. Aaron Rodgers' excellence, like Chris Paul's, like other people, has always been about his individual ability to be outstanding at what he does. And once that starts to go away, Aaron Rodgers was never going to have the capabilities to make up for his lack of otherworldly greatness by leading these guys and inspiring in his team the little bit, the 3% or the 7% or the 11% that's missing from his greatness. Tom Brady's done it. I've seen him do it. Not this year, but we've seen him do it. 
Peyton Manning's probably a guy I should call out with massive credit because Peyton Manning, the year before he retired, a season before, was outstanding. They couldn't, they just couldn't get it done. His final year, he was a shell of a quarterback. And yet Denver, that Broncos team, I know they had a great defense, but he instilled a certain level of belief in that team and that offense to, to, to win the whole thing. We're going to bench some of these guys. Think about if you're in that Green Bay Packers locker room. And you've spent two years, and for the young guys, you've been spent maybe two years watching it from a distance, not really paying attention because you're in college, watching Aaron Rodgers blame the front office and blame Brian Gutenkinst, who has not covered himself in glory, to be fair, with the roster construction, and blaming Matt LaFleur, and blaming whoever he can point his finger to. And now, this year, and this is not just this clip the Pat McAfee show. It's not just this moment in time for Aaron Rodgers. Even before the season started, Aaron Rodgers was smugly saying, in effect, the receivers need to get it together. They don't know what they're doing. Even though Aaron Rodgers didn't show up for the voluntary portion of OTAs and other things where he could have been a leader, right? Could have gotten there and helped these guys. No, he's just, I'm going to assign blame. That's going to piss some people off. That's going to force other people to reconsider their own self-confidence. And for anyone that's saying, well, they're professional athletes, they're going to figure it out. Everybody they compete against is a professional athlete. Every person they go against is the highest level of the sport. It's why leadership can matter when you don't have someone who can just be so outstanding, they overcome not just opposing teams, but their own personality flaws, which was Aaron Rodgers in the years before. Unless you think I'm being unfair, Packers fans. And I'm going to say this as a person, I'm from Dubuque, Iowa, originally, border of Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. I'm a Bears fan, but I grew up in an area that is half Bears fans, half Packers fans. My family, a lot of them live in Wisconsin, and my dad and my mom and my brother and my sister, when I was in college, moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, were there for a few years. My dad, in fact, did business with the Packers and had a suite, this is such a writer story, where he would show up for Bears-Packers games in his Bears stuff, and he shared the suite with two big guys and a you know some woman. Turned it out it was the Far family. Nobody told him. So he'd walk into this in this luxury suite. Go Bears! They never spoke. Who can blame them? My point is, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of Packers fans, and they are to football. I think fandom. What and this pains me to say too, what the Cardinals fans are to baseball. They are smart. They are loyal. You probably know this, but if you don't, they have a rare ownership model where they own the team outright. You don't have to worry about some moron coming and owning the team. And Green Bay, Wisconsin is like where I'm from. It's not a major city. It's not a huge metropolis. If Green Bay had a baseball team or it had an NBA team, this isn't a shot at Green Bay. I love my parents' time there. I love being there. But they'd be the, they'd be the most inept professional sports teams in the country because it's not a big market. And we know that other than football, it's hard to succeed in a small market. All of which is to say, and I'm a Bears fan saying this, Packers fans are outstanding fans. They are loyal. They go to the games. I remember the first time I went to Green Bay, Wisconsin. This was years ago when I was in college, 20 years ago. So this is the Favre era. And I'm, I, I wish I could remember what time of year it was. It was post, it might have been February or March. Maybe it was the second time I went. But it wasn't football season. There's nothing going on in football season. I lived in a football market. I lived in Kansas City. There were Packers flags Every day that I would go to the grocery store, go to get gas, it was a Packers parade. You'd just be driving to the grocery store, and like every car had Packers flags waving from their car. It was 10 degrees outside. I went to the mall, and I thought I accidentally walked into a Packers museum. It's amazing. 
if and I've only been there, I don't know, 50 days of my life. Aaron Rodgers works there. And yet when he looks out at, at Packers fans, because you know what great fans also are? They're passionate. They're angry. They get frustrated. How come Aaron Rodgers gets to get mad and chalk it up to his competitive spirit? How come Aaron Rodgers gets to call out his organization or call out his teammates or swear on the sidelines or whatever the hell it is and just say, well, that's just part of wanting to win? Well, it's true for fans, too. Fans who are real fans love their team. And some of them are angry. And some of them are frustrated. And some of them wonder why the hell Aaron Rodgers isn't playing better. And what is Aaron Rodgers' response to you, Green Bay fans? Well, it is, like with everything else, your fault, not his. Well, they can say whatever they want. Nothing's going to sway that opinion, I don't think. I think people who are bitter and angry, they kind of want to sit in that, wallow in it a little bit, if you, if you will. You know, like a, like a pig and you know, just kind of enjoy it for a little bit. Hell just yeah. kind of let that wash all over them until they're ready to, to get washed off. Fans, you know, want to want to be upset. And that's fine. I mean, that's great. It's still kind of a free country, so they can do whatever they whatever they want. Just a quick aside, you always know someone's um, a self-righteous, pseudo-intellectual, I'm smarter than you, and they use the word hence in a sentence. I know some smart people. I know some really smart people. I know one genius who's literally a billionaire, buddy of mine, randomly. You know what I've never heard him say in a sentence? Hence. Because he doesn't have to. Hence, I have decided to form a company. Okay, man, sounds, sounds great. Hence, also his description of you Packers fans, many of you, is actually a perfect description of someone who actually wallows and covers themselves in arrogance and cluelessness, right? Just, just luxuriate in the awfulness of it. What does all this have to do with the Green Bay Packers in football? I think it's a huge blinking warning sign about Aaron Rodgers' ability to lead this team if he's not 100% the all-time great, and he's one of the greats, Hall of Fame quarterbacks we've seen over his career. The margins are small in professional sports, but especially in the National Football League. That's why there's so much pressure and angst and anger. It's why teams can go from four wins to ten wins in a season. Because the lines are so thin. A play here or there. A coaching decision here or there. An optimal coach or not by small degrees here or there. So if you've got Aaron Rodgers in his prime, Patrick Mahomes in his prime, Tom Brady in his prime, I think we should probably throw Josh Allen in what is now his prime It's a huge, it's a three or four or five game difference maker. But when those guys start to slip, which happens to everybody, when, and again, I'm talking all-time greater or outstanding MVP level quarterbacks, when they go from 100% of that to even 93% or 89%, that's not a big dip to you and I if we're amateur athletes. It's huge in the context of the National Football League. And leadership has to fill the gap. I think it did for Tom Brady. Not this year, but in the last few years. It certainly did for Peyton Manning. I think it will for Patrick Mahomes whenever that day comes for him. Hard to imagine him as a lesser athletic version of himself, but it happens to everybody. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it. He just told you. He just told you. Got to bench these guys. These Green Bay Packers fans who live and die and breathe this thing are, are, are pigs in bleep. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. Here's the takeaway. Aaron Rodgers, 100%, the football player, can overcome Aaron Rodgers, the so-called leader. But that's not what we've seen. He's not going to find out. Find, he's not going to figure out a way to make the Packers better, as a presence in that locker room, as an inspiring figure, as somebody who brings his knowledge and excellence. He's that rare guy who is so good at the sport that he could do it in a way other people couldn't, but he can't translate that to anybody else, and that's his biggest shortcoming. What's amazing, and this is so true in our culture today, Aaron Rodgers' criticisms and and, and mean spiritedness and 
all these folks are pigs and bleep is so spot on if he understood he was actually talking about himself. 855-212-4CBS. I take no pleasure in it, by the way, either. I don't even, I mean, it's hard to watch the Packers win as a Bears fan, but the respect I have for that organization for what they've done through the Favre era and the Rodgers era is incredible. Yet in both cases, that success has made both those quarterbacks absolutely, untenably, unlikable human beings post their greatness. Arrogance, man. It's a disease. And you throw it in with father time and sports, it does not add up to uh, success. Jordan Love era, indeed. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. We got a little sucker for uh, D-Cell, just for Tom. But we're also going to play you. It's kind of a... I'm going to go after some people today. Kirk Ferentz, early bum of the week nominee for an absolutely ridiculous low blow at a working dude. We'll explain next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Let me make one last, just one last thought about, about Aaron Rodgers before we move on. Sometimes, I think all of us probably have this experience where we've got a friend, right? Somebody we, we hang out with, and when we're with them individually, they're one person. And then when you get them around a certain group of people or a certain person, maybe something they've known a long time and they're really comfortable they overshare, and you're like, oh, man, like this guy's super unlikable when he's around this dude. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show, to me, is Aaron Rodgers in his comfort zone. What he sounds like when he's with his buddies, how he probably talks when the media's not around. I think it's real insight into how he views the world. Packers fans, his own teammates. It's not a one-off mistake in the media. It's the opposite. It's rare insight into who this guy actually is. Because he's so comfortable around McAfee. All right, moving on. Kirk Ferentz is the head coach of the University of Iowa. He's been there for a quarter of a century or more. You have to sort of know what you are. Iowa, they're fine under him, but they retain the services because otherwise you can become Nebraska or insert, I mean, hell, they're not. They're, ne- they're never Texas, but Texas, another cautionary tale, Texas A&M right now. It's not easy to win, especially difficult in some places like Iowa. Hard to recruit. Kirk Ferentz is a very, very good head coach. And Iowa's defense is actually elite this year. I mean, elite elite. Their offense is putrid. It's terrible. It's as uncomfortable as the bogus D-cell fight over over the, the Patriots quarterback controversy from, from the last few days. I just saw Bogus' temple throb, which was the goal. And that's because Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, is Kirk Ferentz's son. Now, this is nepotism in the extreme, and... It comes not just as a, sounds stupid, but it's true. It's sort of a public trust, right? Those of you that are from certain places, that, like I am, that don't have professional sports know that college football, as big as it is everywhere, is even bigger in those states. It's why the SEC is such a colossal thing in that part of the world, and in places like Iowa and Nebraska. That is the professional sports. Those are the teams that you have real connection to at the highest level. And it's also a publicly funded job. Now, there's been a lot of talk at the Iowa level, and we're on in Iowa, among other places. It's bubbled up to the national level, a conversation about this kind of nepotism. And, and whether the juice is worth the squeeze, because the reality is, if Kirk Ferentz leaves, you're going to be either Nebraska, which is not very good, or if things go maybe okay, Iowa State, where every couple of years your coach leaves for a better job and you hope you can hire somebody else. You're trapped, and, and, and Ferentz knows that. And I don't have an issue with this. Now, DeSalle did, but, but there's been a lot of reporting, I think accurate, difficult, pointed reporting about Brian Ferentz being bad at his job and this being nepotism. And before you say, well, it's, it's Kirk Ferentz's son, 
I, I see where he's offended. Yeah, but like Kirk Ferentz put his kid in a job he's not qualified for, won't remove him the way he would somebody else. And at least for me, and this is a reporter from, I believe, Cleveland.com, this is from the postgame after Iowa lost. I don't have the score in front of me, but I think it was 139 to negative 5. It's actually 54 to 10. They got destroyed against Ohio State. And as you would expect, and I think credit to the reporter for asking the question everyone's talking about, there was a difficult exchange in which a reporter asked Kirk Ferentz about the nepotism. That has been a problem for the program. Kirk Ferentz has paid a lot of money to run. You changed quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Would you have an evaluation in the middle of the year of maybe you need someone I'm else sorry. to run the yeah, Well, so we, I answered that question two weeks ago. I've never done that in my career. Don't plan on starting right now. Our approach has always been to address what's uh, what's out there and see what we can do to improve. And you know, it's been pretty consistent for 24 years, almost 24 years now, and that's that's the plan moving forward. It's been fairly successful. You have one of the least productive offenses in the country. I've do noticed you, that, yeah. Everybody's noticed it. Do well, you believe you. Yeah. that you're putting the Iowa football program in a bad spot by having that kind of production on one side of the ball, and it's run by one of your family members? It's got no uh, no bearing on who the person is. Right? It's uh, just a matter of who uh, is coaching our football team. Okay, the guys on our staff are guys I think that have demonstrated success. Uh, they're good people, and we're going to keep pushing forward. I don't, I don't feel like we're doing anything wrong. When you get to the end of the year and you do make that evaluation, will evaluating Brian be any different than evaluating any other assistant coach? We, we've uh, at least I've tried to treat everybody with consistency on our staff, past and present. Same thing with players. Got three family members play as well in our program, and uh, you know they got to earn everything they get, just like coaches do. I think it's reasonable, Tom. You 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 thought it was a little off-putting. I, that is extremely reasonable to me if you're a reporter, and, and I think actually hard to do. And I credit the guy for asking the questions. I think at face value, those are the questions that need to be asked. I didn't love his tone throughout every single question. He was a little quick there to respond back to Ferentz. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, my thing is. Uh, and this is just me. I'm, I'm biased. I've, I've been in that seat. I don't know why a reporter has to take a bunch of crap from a head coach. Like, if the head coach wants to be sarcastic, I think sarcasm as a response is acceptable. And you don't hear it a lot because normally it's beat writers who have to deal with these guys every day. This person's not an everyday person. He can be a little edgier. Either way, the wrong response is to call out, is to basically say, I'm better than you, I have a better life than you. I'm, I'm, I'm better than you, because Aaron Rodgers just did it, we just talked about it. LeBron, remember when LeBron, and I was sitting there, I think I might have asked the question, when LeBron James did it, after the 2011 finals, it was a long time ago, but I think LeBron's term was, and bogus or diesel, correct me if I got it wrong, people with their little lives, wasn't that the, the terminology? Does that sound right? It does sound right, yes. It was in that range. I mean, it's just, it's obnoxious. Yes, those of us that watch and consume sports, for the most part, aren't super wealthy, living fairy tale lives. That doesn't make us stupid. It doesn't make fans or media or anybody that's not an athlete an idiot. doesn't mean our opinions don't matter. doesn't mean we're not entitled to root for our teams and have the views that we have. And Kirk Ferentz came out yesterday and sort of unasked did that level, I think, of pettiness that should be beneath him and his program. During the questioning, uh, in some cases, interrogation on Saturday that I, I uh, uh, experienced. And the one good thing about that, it dawned on me coming home, you know. I said, man, as bad as today was, it could have been worse because I could have been that guy. You know, I could have been that guy, like had his job and had to act like he did. So, yeah, it could be a hell of a lot worse, right? Things aren't all bad. All right. I never do this. I never call out celebrities for one-off interactions. Because, And I'm not a celebrity. I get it. But, like, I, 
I'm glad I'm not because I once, I still feel bad about this. I once was on an airplane. I hadn't had any sleep. Obviously, here's my like buildup why I was such a jerk. I had like a two hours sleep, sat down in my little seat. Some cowboy, gentleman, 50-year-old, cowboy boots, cowboy hat, sat down. I got some coffee. I put a bunch of sugar in it. I'm such a jerk. He goes, you want some coffee with your sugar? And instead of laughing, I go, I don't even ask your opinion on my coffee habits. But I was really, I wouldn't want, you know, if I mattered. It was, I was worse than that. He was just like, oh, my. Well. And then, the, like, four hours of silence. Four hours of silence. So I understand that, that one-off interactions with anybody, you never know. You never know what, what, what someone's going through in their life. But since Kirk Ferentz wants to do a one-off situation and criticize another human being, I'll tell you this. I got family members, people in my family, who want an Iowa Hawkeyes cruise. You go on an Iowa Hawkeyes cruise, right? Like, you pay money to go on a cruise with the Iowa program. And they bumped into him at the bar in the hallway, and they said it was the most disrespectful. They were like, oh, hello. And he was so rude. Why am I saying that? Because, Kirk, if we're going to make moral judgments, sweeping judgments, at least I'm not that loser, based on one interaction, you probably should be a little better to people when you go out in the world at a paid cruise. My point is, what a petty, petty dude. And it makes me, it just makes me sad for Iowa fans, because I'm from Iowa, who got to root for this guy. Because you're not going to do better. You're not going to do better than him. That's the thing. Does the nepotism bother you guys as a principal? Because it bothers me. I don't mind if somebody gets a leg up because their dad was in the business. We all need advantages. If, you, if you're good at your job, that's awesome. There's a lot of that in sports media. Brian Ferentz is incompetent. He is an absolute failure at his job, and it bothers me. It should bother you, especially the way it's being handled right now because I had no patience for the interrogation the other day. I mean, you're the head coach of a Big Ten football team. I think it matters that you're the head coach at a public institution. So, therefore, I think the people of Iowa have like a different level of um, – you have a different level of responsibility to talk about these things. And when your team sucks, you've got to eat it. Just like I said, we had that Brian Kelly conversation about – calling out the reporter like being late or whatever. And I said sometimes the reporter, oh, yeah. you got you to eat you-know-what because that's the head coach. When you're the head coach and your offense has seven touchdowns and your defense has three touchdowns, which is not the ratio anybody ever wants, you've got to eat a lot of crap. And those questions were the the exact questions that needed to be asked. Why can't Why can't you make a change? Does he get special treatment? Does somebody – I mean, because even I was just reading that, like technically – Brian Ferentz reports to the AD because state laws prevent him right. from his dad being his direct, you know, boss. But his dad's going to fire him, and they they said that over the weekend. So like, it's just like we're doing all of these things, going through hoops and protocols because this is set up, and because of all that, these questions are extra valid, and they need non-dismissive answers. Their offense sucks. He's in charge of the offense. He's allowed to be asked. Why do you and your offense suck? And I'll add, so well said, his agent, who I am friends with, I'm, I know Kirk Ferentz's agent really well, and he's a great guy, is a notoriously accomplished negotiator. I'll give you example after example after example of programs that fired this guy's clients and paid a bunch of money. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe Kirk Ferentz has $43 million in guaranteed money that remains. Like, let's say They're not going to fire Kirk Ferentz, right? But let's just say they did. I think it's $43 million you have to pay the guy. So he's got... 
so much leverage, to your point, Andrew. It's public money. That's taxpayer-funded money. It's a public institution. He, at a minimum, should be required to answer questions about this. And I think beyond that, he should be in a position where he should take and, and prioritize the well-being of this program for which he's handsomely paid over the feelings of his son. If you're going to elevate your kid to that kind of job, you have to have the moral strength to fire him if he's not good at it. Right, and and, and Ferentz is not good at it. Brian Ferentz is not good at it. And and people might be shocked because I was. He's had this job since like 2017. Oh, like it's, it, it's a yes. new depth this year, but it's not like oh, give him yep. time, he'll figure it out. When was the last time Iowa's offense was? One, you went, oh, that's Iowa's offense, and they were scoring 40 points a game. When did they, you know, when was the last time they beat somebody 54-10 in, yep. in that kind of fashion that they did? I mean, they, their offense didn't score a touchdown Saturday. You've and they got to talk about it. And, and Kirk Ferentz has made, because this was his specialty, that used to be offensive line U. Like, they, they traditionally have really strong offensive lines, which usually translates to at least some ability to move the football. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and it's, it's so bad this year. You just got to deal with it. Now, should every single day be questions like that? Maybe not. But after a game where you didn't score an offensive touchdown, the questions start anew. And you don't get to call it an interrogation. And criticize, I'm so glad I don't have that guy's life. Cool, man. I'm so glad I don't have your personality. Right. So that we're all on the same page. Right. Yeah. You might be, you're a better football coach than all of us, but you're not, right. a, doesn't mean you're a better person or in a better right. situation than the rest of us. Yeah, what's in the water right now in Iowa and Green Bay? I mean, uh, come on, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Ferentz. Did he do ayahuasca as well? What's going on? Hi, Tom. You can. I'm sorry. Do you want to get in there? You want to defend Kirk Ferentz? No, I was just listening. That was a great conversation there. The only thing that I will say is I feel like when I hear Kirk Ferentz speak all year long this year, it sounds like he's complacent, to your point. He knows Iowa can't do better than him, and he sounds complacent. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it, whether it works or not. The only solution, they're not going to be able to fire him, right? So the only solution, but you'd have to, it's the nuclear option, you'd have to accept that he might leave, would be, to, to Andrew's point, for the AD, who technically Brian Ferentz reports into, to fire Brian Ferentz. But then Kirk Ferentz is going to go nuclear. It, it's, And Brian Ferentz was a pretty good, I don't know if this is true, the talk is he's a pretty good offensive, offensive line coach. The truth is maybe Daddy was helping him do that, too. But he's raised to his level of incompetence, and when that happens in most businesses that are that are that produce a lot of money and have high stakes, you don't get to stay in that job. Yeah, and I and I, I can't speak specifically to Iowa, but we know the dynamic in many other places. The football coach trumps the AD. So who's the person right. that right. goes to the head coach and goes, "Listen, I understand that the tough spot you're in. Maybe you can't see this, but Brian's got to go." Does the AD? Does Gary Barta have the? Ability to have that conversation with Kirk Ferentz? I, to your point, I don't think so. I think part of the awfulness of this is you you can't have that conversation unless you're willing to move on from Kirk Ferentz. You're not going to pay him a buyout. You you just accept that he would leave, and Kirk Ferentz is too good at his job. I mean, you just you cannot get a better. You can't. I mean, unless Bob Stoops wants to, because Bob Stoops has roots in Iowa, wants to come back. There's no one that's going to come in and coach his team at a, at a similar level. Um, before I run out of time. I don't have a lot of time. I just need some guy talk. I need some advice. We all know this person. I won't say who it is. Maybe we don't all know him. I got a buddy who's a great guy, but maybe occasionally <sighs> insults people not realizing that he insults people. And he's been calling me lately. This is about me. 
asking for some career advice because he's been insult some bosses he's been getting sideways with, and he'll tell me what they say, what he said, and it's and I'm like, oh, I'll, my thought is you can't. She's like an a hole, but what I say is, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't have said it that way. And then he argues with me. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that's insulting. My question is, can you tell your friend you're a great guy, but everyone thinks you're a total jerk because you don't know how to talk to people, or is that you just you just have to do the like, yeah. I think maybe you shouldn't say to your, you know, wife's boss that their perspective is stupid. He's like, I'm not really sure how to stay some help. Yeah, I think you just sugarcoated in that he's right, but he can't say it that way because it's not going to be handled correctly. Like, we all know she's this or that he's doing that. Right. But you can't say it to their face because you're going to lose. So you're like, you're presented. No, no right. You got to present it as. They're coming from a right place, but they're not doing it correctly. I think this person requires a, to do that, though. It's not like if you said it and you slipped up, you'd get it. I think it requires a whole, like, hey, you're awesome, but your personality is such that you can't read the room, and you need to change how you basically think about the world. <laughs> I'm not doing it. No. All right. We settled it. All right. We, we, oh, I got a little so- soccer. I'm, I'm hosting a uh, Bayern... Barcelona live chat on Bayern Barcelona Champions League match today. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. Three Eastern time, noon Pacific, BetQL app. Here's the deal. You got to go to your phone. You got to you know get open your little app store. You got to search for BetQL. It's easy. Download it, and I'll be in there. It'll be fun. I, I crushed those bets last week. I, I, I won, I can't remember, 8 of 11 or something along those lines. Which are really hard to be honest. I think it's gonna. I think Barca's gonna lose three to one and three to two. But I'm gonna be so I'm gonna basically put some bets in to be rooting against my exact bets. But I, I know that Diesel's not gonna be there. I know Bogus is not gonna be there. But I hope you'll be there. And by the way, there are a lot of there are a lot of Diesel jokes in the chat last time we did this. Yeah, which is why I'm gonna be there today. Just remind me where to. How do I get there? So um, on your phone, I know you already have it, but let's say you didn't. Mm. You download the BetQL app. Okay. And then you, when you sign in, there's a little tab that says chats, right? Click on that, and then you'll see a few. You say, oh, live. Bayern Barcelona with, with CBS Sports Radio's Bill Ryder. Okay. And then get in there, and you'll be like, hey, where's Pretty Daddy? Like everyone else did. And what time is this? Games at 3 Eastern. Right. Probably going to drop some bets in there at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then I'll just be in there hanging out as Bayern beats my team 8-3 to three or 8-2 to two again. All right. Yeah. I, I just hit the button to, to – I, I mean, I already had the BetQL right. app downloaded. Um, so I just went in. I see the chats tab. Let's Reminder go. set. D-cell jokes written. All right. <laughs> Let's do all, this. It's all coming Let's together. Let's do this. Hey, thanks for the advice on D-cell, by the way. I mean, my, my random friend. Yeah, on, was... on Tim <laughs> – our good friend Tim. Super helpful. Yeah. Uh, C. Delestino. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was what was what was edgier? Bogish versus D Cell or Clay versus Booker? Well, there's a clear winner on Clay versus Booker, and we're going to get into that here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. What's up, Bill Ryder? With you. I got my Barcelona jersey on. I'm going to kiss the badge right now. There you go. You even heard it. Diesel, you know what I'm talking about. Soccer! You know what I, I know what that fandom's all about. Yeah, I'm right there with Love you. It. Soccer! Do, soccer! Do you know what Barcelona needs to have happen to have any chance to advance out of the group stage of the Champions League? They need to score more goals than the other team. Well, that is true against Bayern Munich, which would be hard enough. But in the early match, 
They need, I don't even know how to say this this this, this uh, particular place. They need Victoria Plisenzen to beat uh, Inter Milan. Oh, no, actually just to, to, to get a draw. A draw would do it. It's a tie. But a tie is a game. Whatever. It's super confusing. Warriors-Suns was fun last night. It was a fun game. I know it's, what, four games into the season. But sometimes there can be what approximates uh, playoff energy early. This is really early, early in an NBA season when two teams don't like each other and they know they're probably going to have to go through each other. I think I still think the Warriors are going to be more than fine. I think Clay Thompson's going to figure it out. Steph Curry's amazing. Those young players are going to... They're the Warriors. They didn't have Steph Curry for long stretches last year and they won the whole thing. I, I've been anticipating the Suns' decline and I think the Suns have heard that talk from everybody and probably worried a little bit on their own. Can Chris Paul maintain his level? Can Devin Booker go to another level? And I think they saw last night's Warriors game as a testing ground. Well, Chris Paul played very well. Devin Booker was outstanding, and they got into it, Devin Booker and Clay Thompson, to the point where Clay got kicked out of the game. First ejection in his career. Now, some of that's the frustrations with the way that he's played, but I think some of it speaks to an edge and a metal and a toughness and a focus by a Suns team that is, again, early days outperforming what I thought they were going to be this season. And after the game, after Devin Booker baited Clay Thompson, got him ejected, game was close at that point, Suns pulled away in the end, uh, Devin Booker, I thought, had a really candid and, and cool answer as to what in the hell was going on between him and his rival Clay Thompson. I love Clay Thompson. I have for a really long time, but you know that doesn't excuse us from being competitive and talking to each other. Um, you know, I've always admired his game, you know, how he plays on both sides of the ball. Um, and obviously the rings speak for themselves. It's frustration. You know, I've, I've been there before. And you know what they have. They have the four rings. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna use that in, in all the trash talk, rightfully so, um, respectfully. Um, but they don't have nothing to do with competing. I, I love it, man. I am... I don't know where you come down, Diesel, and whether Devin Booker can make that leap and be the best player in a championship caliber team. I am, I am on that level. I am Devin Booker agnostic, but but things I'm just not sure. But things like what you saw last night in his comments give me some confidence because that's an edginess. That is a high basketball IQ. Like I'm going to respect the guy. I'm going to take things from the guy. I'm also going to try to crush the guy's soul when I walk. On the other side of those lines, we compete in. He played Devin Booker at a super high level in an intense game. I um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll get on the Booker train. Are you on the Booker train? You want to book a ticket on the Booker train? Pleasantly surprised to hear those comments from Devin Booker. I think that shows maturity. I, I'm yeah. with you. I don't know if he can be the best player. I think you know when they made that finals run and lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that was a lot of CP3 involved in that. Um. Look, he's still a young player. There's still there's still time for Devin Booker to evolve into that, but I think we are still waiting. He's not there yet. I did like what I heard post game last night after that kerfuffle. I know you love that word love with uh, with Clay Thompson. All right, I'm going to do some non sequitur questions to you. You ready? It's our Q and A from out of nowhere. Who's less likable today, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Ferentz? Uh Aaron Rodgers. If wow, if we played a set of tennis, what would the score be? Uh, you would, Tramp. you would crush me. I don't know that I would have a single point. Okay, so that's a that's a six that's a six zero. Yeah, that would be love for me. Who's your second favorite Batman of all time? Uh, don't have a second favorite Batman. There is only one. 
if you have more kids, do you want to continue to name them after me? Uh, no, I'm not sure how we would do that, though, even if we wanted to name them after you. Bill, Willie Matt, my middle name's Joseph, the man, I mean, we already, than you. We already used, uh, you know, Joseph as the middle name for my first oh, son. Yeah. So Joseph I, William. <laughs> oh, just reverse it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no I, don't, I don't think we're going to go in that direction. All right, got it, got it, got it. If you weren't going as a giant, humiliating Snoopy for Halloween, what would you choose for your uh, own costume? First off, thank you again for reminding everyone about that. And uh, if I was going, ah, uh, my own costume that I got to pick, yes. we were not doing a family theme, I would probably do something lazy, just be like a vampire. If you, I like vampires. If you chose a soccer team, who would your soccer team be? Or how would you pick it? I would I would choose an MLS team. Like, why can't I do my local really? team here, like the Red Bulls? You can. I know it's okay. not like, you know, like the elite level of play for soccer, but, like, yeah, like Red Bulls play not too far from me. 30 seconds, last one. Um, if you pulled a Stuart Kovacs and just randomly selected teams out of the hat to root for, what team out of your area would you pick to root for? How about the Miami Hurricanes? I, no, you already did that. <laughs> they, they play nowhere near me. Question time with D-Cell's good. It would be helpful if he would answer the questions. Let's talk, Let's see if Houston Nutt will answer my questions. I think he will. We're going to find out next year on CBS Sports Radio.